Well, hey, everybody, welcome. Like she said, I'm Ryan, and it is good to be with you here this morning. And um, just want to start off. So last year, last year, we kind of did a State of the Church Sunday. And this year, as we're wrapping up Jesus Everything, kind of want to weave those things together and just kind of punctuate what God's done, what he's doing, how he's moving in our congregation. Because honestly, um, <clears throat> God's done a lot of great things around here. And this isn't gonna be a week, yay us, this is yay Jesus. But um, we want to just talk about, frankly, where we are, where we've been, where we're going. And wanted to um, let you know, I asked Amy Goes. Amy shared last year, if you, uh, if you guys remember, she's our HR and finance lead, and she declined this year. So you guys get to put up with me the whole service again. But um, So we asked, so if you, like, really, if you wanna make her feel really judged or like backed into a corner so she'll help me or do it next year, you can just uh, feel free to find her after service. She's sitting right there. <clears throat> Amy does not like attention, so like, um, like I may have ruined our friendship right there. So... <clears throat> But um, Jesus, I just thank you for your power, for your love and your grace. Thank you for who you are, how you are, and what you're doing. Lord, we just lift you high today and I pray that um, the hearts of the people are stirred to join you in what you're doing. I know mine is. And Lord, I pray that um, the words that are spoken are from you and that uh, we just prepare our hearts uh, to receive, Lord. Thank you for the worship that was um, just going on here today, Lord, and just prayer and communion and just the beautiful songs and hymns, Lord, just, um, just thank you for that team that so faithfully leads us each week, Lord, into your presence. And we ask that to show up today in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're a body that believes in honesty, transparency, and also accountability, which we know that's, all that stuff's not super popular in leadership in our world uh, today. But uh, we believe that the truth sets us free, sets us free to think correctly, to join in, to lean out. It sets us free to follow God as we feel we're called to. So we, last year we shared where we were, but, and then we also shared what our preferred future is. So there's some elements of that too that we're gonna share today. So this isn't just gonna be about that kind of stuff, but we're gonna start off with it. So last year our budget target was $550,000. That was our prayer, which was a huge jump from the year before, but um, God was put that on our heart, and <clears throat> we're trending at about 520 that we're gonna bring in for the year. But we also believe that God's calling us to more. Part of more is just for the fact that things cost more. I don't know if you noticed, but there's inflation that's rampant happening, so things cost more. Um, so, you know, things are just more, but we also believe that... Um, we don't wanna just ever just settle and count the beans and decide that's where we're going. We pray over this and we ask God, where are you leading us as a church? Take us there and we ask you to provide. Because we wanna be a people of faith. And faith, um, there's somewhere, there's between like fear and foolishness is faith. So we don't wanna just willy-nilly go into debt and be fools, but we also don't just wanna sit on our hands and be like, hey, that's what's in there, that's what we're gonna do. No, we wanna live by faith, and where God's calling us, we wanna be people that go into that. And we wanna be the people that go into it with joy, with uh, gratitude, and with, really, f fearlessness. We wanna go into it fearlessly. So, um, <clears throat> and not sure... Um, 
if you notice, last week it was funny doing a talking about tithe that our, one of our air conditioning units went out right, right in the middle of it. So that was, a, that was a planned sermon illustration. I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't plan that. But like, you know, it's stuff like that, a building over 20 years old, a leaky roof, a parking lot in need of repair. Um, we need a lot of stuff. And we just, uh, so we're going to plan just for the Lord, like, hey, here's our needs. We're putting for you. Here's our wants. Here's what we feel like are the desires you've given us. And so we just want to go for it. But that said, what I want to ask you is, um, are you compelled by what you see here? When you come to Vineyard Florence, maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been here. Maybe you're one of the OGs. Maybe you're one of the new Gs. Maybe you're one of the uh, returnees. Wherever it is, are you compelled by what you see here? Are you compelled by what you see God doing? And last week, I didn't mean it to sound cruel when I said, hey, if you don't feel like this is a place where you can share of your time, talent, treasure, tithe, I said, find somewhere where God compels you. If you're not compelled by what you see here, like, we don't want to just live for the dot. We want to live for the line. And, and, and I don't want to waste time at places where I'm not compelled because I never can get time back. They make... There's more money being made. People, there's new talent every day. And we can develop new talents even, but we can't get back time. And so if Vineyard Florence isn't a place that compels you, that's what that meant. If you don't feel compelled here to be part of it, to jump in, to move, to be empowered, to give, to share, to spend what you have on the growth of the kingdom, then I said it would be wise to find a place or a family of faith where you can do that. And that's not like throwing on the gauntlet, like, get out of here if you're not involved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like, it's an encouragement. Like, I want to, I, we don't know how much time that we have. We don't. And the days are short. And so we want to be people that are all in. Because Jesus, that's the cost, of, the cost of discipleship. And we're in a place where we want to be a church that moves that we don't want to be a spectator type place. We want to be a place where people get on the field, where everyone gets to play. And I understand the importance of you know, sharing what we have, but also, what's the vision? Does the, does the vision of Vineyard Florence compel you, move you into action? Because we're not just a keep the lights on sort of place. We aren't. We're not just a place that... If stuff breaks we're just, and we don't got enough money, we're just gonna fold it up because the money wasn't there. I'm gonna personally pursue Jesus whether the lights are on, whether someone walks with me or not because that's all I got. That's the only move I've got. He's rescued me, he saved me, he's delivered me, he loves me. And to be quite frank, no one else really did until I met him. And so I don't, got a, I don't got a backup plan. And I know a lot of you don't have a backup plan because you've gone in, right? You sold the farm and bought the pearl. And why are we doing this? Why are, why are we a disciple-making place? It's very simple. I'm reading an amazing book. Um, I'm about a little over halfway through it called, um, called The Insanity of God. Sorry, I had to think. Um, it's called The Insanity of God. And it's this man's amazing story of um, the missionary work God's called him to in the world. When him and his wife, years and years ago, went into the mission field, they asked, why, why are you doing this? Why are, like, like the mission board he met with, why are you feel like you're supposed to do this? And his wife said, oh, when I was seven, I had this vision of going to Africa, da-da-da-da-da. 
This guy had only been a Christian a few years, uh, this lady's husband, and they said, why are you going? He said, because of Matthew 28. And they're like, no, I mean, like, why are you going? He's like, because I believe in Jesus and I read Matthew 28. And if you don't know, Matthew 28 tells us, therefore, go into all the world, or therefore, as you are going into all the world, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. And the guy said, isn't it good enough that if the word just told me to do it, that I do it? He said, because Matthew 28. And like, we wanna be people that, because Jesus told us to, it's good enough. And as I, as I was coming into this church a couple years ago, in um, post-COVID or during COVID, I had the privilege of kind of being an armchair quarterback compared to a lot of my other friends who were pastors who were muddling through a um, unprecedented time in history where there wasn't a playbook, there wasn't a seminary guide, there wasn't a Bible college uh, uh, syllabus for how do you deal with um, the church in a government-imposed lockdown. In a worldwide shutdown, how do you do church? And one of the things that I was able to kind of look at and talk to other people about is we really saw, observed that there were three vectors that were, that were at work because the old structures did not seem to be working anymore. And I don't want to ever be just someone who like prognosticates what's wrong, but like, okay, Lord, what's the solution? But to look at the solution, we need truth. We need honesty. And the th stuff that I looked at, and like I said, I was uh, uh, working in the banking world and real estate, commercial real estate, and I saw published survey after published survey that talked about that the church, that churches in mass were going to close down. Nonprofits and churches in mass were probably gonna close down to the tune of 32 to 43% in the coming three or four years. And as I saw that, it didn't actually feel like a threat because I think a lot of churches have closed down, praise God. Because let's, let's, just, let's just face it, there's a lot of churches that aren't doing the stuff. That have got caught up on man-made rules and traditions and pomp and circumstances or salaries from the local synods or conferences and it was just, they, they, they haven't been relevant for a long time. So praise God. But also, but for those that want to still stay in the stream, that haven't left the building, where Elvis didn't check out, where were, what was the way forward? And there were three vectors that I saw, if you will, was I saw that there was this tension of churches that could do gathered and scattered well. Because we were forbidden to do gathered for this time, right, in 2020, that seemed like the churches that were shutting down in mass very quickly were the ones that had no clue of how to do scattered. What we call family on mission, missional community, house groups, home-based discipleship, like the early church that they did the house to house. Places that did not do scattered well were sunk. And also how they were sunk was that they couldn't balance the fidgetal. Fidgetal is kind of the physical digital. That how did they do their together meetings but also to simultaneously do them also um, you know, uh, via digital multimedia platforms. And then also I saw that churches that didn't seem how to know how to do the natural and supernatural seemed like they were closing down too. Churches that just become good old boys and girl clubs where they weren't really about the word anymore, weren't walking in the spirit, it seemed like those were the churches that eviscerated quickly, most quickly. Because people weren't really compelled anymore. 
See, the thing is, when we're anchored in the word and we walk in the spirit, there's something that compels us outward but keeps us anchored to Jesus, that keeps us close to Jesus. That we do the stuff, but while we go, he goes with us. And it seemed like churches that had lost sight of this were the ones that just poof. When you turn, turn the lights off, it was over. And we wanna be a church that does gathered and scattered well. That, that means like in the homes, marketplace, neighborhoods. And one of the ways we've done this this year is we, we realized that this church needed a better medium to do scattered. That we needed a better mechanism to do scattered. So that's why we've leaned into house groups the way we have. House groups are different than small groups in the sense that they are more families on mission, missional communities, where it's kind of the entrance to our church, to discipleship, to the family of faith. And that we compel and urge people um, to be part of a house group because we see that's how Jesus did life with his disciples. So we've grown a lot this year. So we now have 10 house groups and we have three more that are coming in the next three months. So we're trying to live into our, our purpose, to our vision, to be a place that does gathered and scattered well. And also, uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, like I was on a mission trip on the other side of the world and I got, I had four people from three continents just randomly come up to me within a span of about 15 days and say, hey, I don't know you or whatever, but I feel like God is putting, has put something on you and he's calling you to lead a church that's gonna be kind of a pioneer at the epicenter of doing gathered and scattered uh, church movement. Like I said, I was working for the Hamilton County Auditor and on my way to uh, commercial real estate banking, and I'm like, okay, I don't really have a grid for this, but praise God, it came in the form of prophetic word, and then here we are three and a half years later, and we're talking about doing gathered and scattered because that's the move, and this was before COVID. See, Jesus wasn't caught off guard by what happened with COVID. He wasn't, and I think if the disciple-making movements hadn't kind of percolated and been re-envisioned in the 25 or 30 years before COVID, the American church would have been sunk because we focused so much on the gathering. We focused so much on come to the show, come to the big box, come to the lights, come to the stage, come hear the spiritual TED talker or the Christian uh, rock band, come to that. We'll have great kids, we'll have great youth, but you come to the show. But Jesus said, no, come and you go. And the most vibrant churches mostly worldwide, don't, can't gather the way we do. They can't gather the same. And we've seen that the church at an alarming rate is shrinking in our country, but we do gathered better than anyone. We have the biggest cathedrals, the most money, the biggest, you know, the best bands, the most well-trained. And yet, how is it our churches have been slipping into the abyss and shutting down at a clip of at least one out of three in the last two and a half years. And we wanna live into the digital and physical because in this world, in the 21st century, we can empower those that are scattered if we have good digital mediums. So we've put a lot of effort to getting a new AV and sound system, getting an app, we remade our website, we have better streaming applications, we have a new security system. 
uh, better sign-ins because we believe we want to work smarter, not harder. We're not against technology. Technology is not going to be what saves us or what saves the world, it, but it's a great thing that God's given us wonderful minds, and it just kind of can make life easier, right? And there's streaming stuff out there, so we've put a lot of thrusters in those. But we also want to be a church that does natural and supernatural really well, too. Because we see churches, it's amazing to me the lack of Holy Spirit activity in our nation. But, but here's the thing that I also see that um, wasn't, you don't have to be some guru or person of prayer to understand this. Like, of the churches that are shutting down, most of the churches believe that the work of the Holy Spirit stopped in the book of Acts. Half of the church, like in America, is cessationist. That means that they believe the gifts ceased. Is it interesting that as the world changed in like almost a day on March 13, 2020, that the first ones, the most regular ones to shut down have been the ones that believe the Holy Spirit left the building? Because God's like, fine, I, I pulled out and we'll just prove it. And the very stuff that people have been afraid of is what actually keeps people coming back is that there's something more out there. There's something more up there. There's something more that can come in here that can change our lives than just, like I said, a good cup of coffee and an inspiring message. That it's the Holy Spirit that actually does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that actually has the power to raise up dead lives. The Holy Spirit that has the power to transform marriages. The Holy Spirit is the one that has power, that has strategy, that has desire to change entire generations and communities. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And if we don't have some good balance of the natural and the supernatural, we're sunk. Because our best move is like, we cannot keep up with Hollywood. But unlike Hollywood, we don't gotta be afraid of the bad guys or Halloween or the demons either. Because unlike how those movies end, the finger of God drives that stuff out and we have everything it takes for godliness and for transformation. So there's a difference. And so we wanna be a church that balances natural and supernatural well. So we really focus on prayer. We do a prayer canopy monthly. Sign up this coming Saturday, November 5th. We have five-step prayer trainings. We pray on Sundays. We do prayer outreaches. We have prayer and worship nights. We're a place that believes that we want heaven to come to earth. And we believe that Jesus does stuff that we can't, and it's not until we tap into that life-giving power that we have any power or any purpose. Because the thing that I want to ask is if the Vineyard Florence closed down, would our neighborhood miss us? If we close down, would our neighbors even know? I think they might, because we're people of the presence. I think that they might, because we're trying to make disciples that make disciples. I think that they might, because we care about what Jesus cares about. That we're, we're a church that's passionate about the things of the kingdom. I think that they might, but I think if we don't come to a better understanding of what God's calling us to, they might not. How do we develop strategies to take our mission around the world? See, we don't wanna lead our church, like I said, to keep the lights on, but rather we wanna lead our church as a team of missionaries. Me and the staff and the board, we, are, we wanna lead this church as a team of missionaries. 
Not as people who are just collecting paychecks and putting together nice programs from week to week and nice services. That's not our point. And granted, like, we want to have great worship. We want to have good sermons. And we want to have stuff that like, people can do and get their hands on practically. But we want to live as missionaries. And we want to empower other missionaries for people to take their uh, missional context and go do the stuff Jesus has called us to do throughout the week. Because this is not the show you are. Your life is the show. Your life is the most credible witness to unsaved people. That's why we talk so much about being disciples, that make disciples, because we are the plan. There's no plan B. Jesus' plan was not just come gather here and just like let this be enough to mildly inspire us to maybe not cuss as much or to give a few bucks. Like Jesus has so much more for that. That's why we've been talking about Jesus everything for nine weeks because he deserves everything. And every missionary that I've ever known that's worth their weight in salt was a Jesus everything person. That's how they survive in rough environments. That's how they leave their cultures. That's why they go because Matthew 28 told them to and that was enough. They sold the farm to buy the pearl and they wanted to show the pearl to other people too. So what's the missional frontier for this church? Do you believe in it? Do you believe in where Jesus is calling us as a people, specifically at Vineyard Florence? Discipleship is how we do scattered well. That's why we talk about it all the time because listen, it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter how Lucas plays or anything else. If your life is a miserable example of what the life of God can do, people aren't gonna come here to hear us. If my life looks one way to my family and another way here, my kids are never gonna believe the gospel that I preach. And we talk about not just making disciples, but being disciples. And is the vision of God credible enough in me that I wanna live for it? That's why we talk about giving our time, talent, and treasure, not just to the church, but to the kingdom of God. It's like, does the mission, does the, does the, does the vision of heaven, does it compel me to be different? And I know for many of you it does, because I see the power of transformed lives. I see the fingerprints of God moving in your lives, marriages, ministries, families, or like, man, I used to be a drunk and now I'm just sold out and I'm bringing other drinks into the kingdom. Or man, I used to be abused, but now I'm not a victim anymore, I'm a victor. Or I used to be in debt and now I'm free. Or I used to be afraid, but now I've got faith. And I see those stories all over the place. But is Jesus everything? Is being part of a Jesus everything church enough for you? Or do you really kind of wish we'd go back to how it was? Because we're not. I mean, we've got visional priorities that we want to live into. Like we said, uh, we want to grow within spiritual cloud in our city, Vineyard USA, and global and kingdom movement. Um, That's one of our visional priorities. and, And we're living into that. We're living into that. We're, we're discipling other pastors and leaders in the ways of discipleship. And more people are asking, how are you guys doing that? How are you guys doing what you're doing? Show us, teach us. We wanna be a hub of prayer and worship, leading and training in the movement. Like I said, we're doing Zoom prayer twice a day. I encourage you to get on 6.30 to 7 in the morning and 5 to 5.30 in the afternoon. Not to check a box, but because we're people of prayer. And we believe that Jesus does things that we can't and our best move to connect with him is prayer. He tells us to pray without ceasing. 
So without ceasing means all the time. So we wanna make as many opportunities to do all the time. We wanna be a place too where, um, where we're training people to do the stuff. So we've leaned in a lot to house group training. To uh, We've had some stuff that's even been broadcast worldwide. We had a friend of ours from Africa. She was on and did amazing training on what it looks like to be a disciple that makes disciples. Her friend B3 from Kampala, Uganda. And um, we want to be a place that launches hundreds of new house and discipleship groups. Like I said, we've launched 10 this year and at least three to m- four more are coming in the next two to three months. We want to raise up over a thousand disciples who can operate in the character and competency of Jesus. About 50% of our people are currently in a house group. I'm just giving you some of these things, like here's our vision. And I, a lot of people say vision. We want to be the best church ever. <laughs> a vision is something I can see. And if it's something that I can see, then I should see what are steps to get there. So in our vision, we want to have tangible updates of how we're living into the vision we feel God's called us to. Not just to be the best church ever, we want to be a disciple-making factory that brings glory to King Jesus and that uh, a worldwide movement launches out of that um, changes the face of the planet. We want to be that. Not because we're like, oh, we got to be the biggest and the best. It's not... It's not like a veneer, people. The vision is not a veneer to us. It's real. It's what we feel Jesus is calling us to, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Because you know what? If one can put 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000, three can send legions fleeing, look what Jesus did with 11. And we're part of that 11. We're part of that multiplication strategy. We wanna be... um, we wanna send out scores of new church plants and ministries. Well, we launched the first vineyard church ever in Latvia this year. We're partnering with people in Turkey and England and Germany. Um, I've got an opportunity here in a couple months, pray for me, to go speak to underground church leaders uh, like in Europe. And so I'm gonna be doing that uh, like over Christmas time and just get the opportunity with my family to go see what God's doing and partner and encourage and equip and empower leaders who are um, struggling to just keep going. We wanna see 50 to 100 children foster and adopt within our church. My wife started uh, the vine dresser fostering, uh, fostering kin shop, kinship clothing shop and we've, we served 114 kids to date this year. So that's where, yeah, that's where people when they get new foster placements can come and get stuff to get started because it's, it takes a lot. A lot, of these, a lot of these kids literally come with nothing or with like a garbage bag with like an outfit or something. And so we wanna have a dignified, great space to bless children. We also wanna give away um, over a million dollars to disciple-making things that have kingdom impact. We were able to give away close to 100,000 bucks this year. Yeah. And we wanna be a place where people regularly hear God, obey what they've heard, and teach others to do the same. And we don't wanna live in debt either, so we've paid our mortgage down to 394000 I'm saying this seriously, but it might sound jokingly. It's 394000 That's a lot of money, but to maybe one of you or some of you, that's not a lot. If you want to pay off our mortgage, we can do a lot more, seriously, for the kingdom. Amen. So if someone says, hey, I just want a year-end gift, and uh, seriously, if that moves you, let us know, and you pay off the mortgage this year. We would we'd thank you for that. So... Um, <laughs> uh, 
And like I said, we have a line over the dot mentality. We don't wanna just be people who live for this moment. We wanna live for eternity. Luke chapter 12 says this. We got the scripture up there. Do we got that up there, guys? Therefore, Jesus turning to his disciples said, this is why I tell you not to worry about your life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns. God feeds them and you are far more valuable than they are, than any birds. Can all of you, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Keep going. And if you worry, if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work at all to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed as beautifully as they are. So if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you as well. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what you'll eat or drink or such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers or pagans in some translations all over the world. But your father already knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Sell your possessions, give them to the poor. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And your purses in heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, therefore the desires of your heart will be also. Ready yourselves for the Lord's coming. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. As though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast, then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at the time the Son of Man will come when least expected. This is talking about Jesus everything. That the people who were ready gave it all to Jesus. It was all at once, one day at a time. Are you becoming more Christ-like? Is Jesus the greatest, most burning desire on your heart? Does not only the vision of this church, but most purposefully, does the vision of his word compel you to be different? Because I'll tell you, if he comes, when he comes, if that's not the, move, the motivating desire of your life, you'll be one who's found without oil in your lamp. He's not calling perfection, he's just saying, am I enough for you to give it all for, because I gave it all for you. And David said in uh, 2 Samuel 24, 24, he says, I will not give up something that costs me nothing. There's so many people that have a Christianity that really cost them nothing. I drop a few bucks in the coffer, I show up for a service, or I go to a small group, or I read a book, or I listen to Caleb, or Star 93.3 every now and then. And that's the extent of our Christian existence. It's like somehow what Jesus did is an add-on. 
Like my life was so great, I didn't really need what he had for me. I'll tell you, that's one of the most glaring lies we could ever believe. Because remember a couple weeks ago we talked about, he says, if that light inside of you is dark, how great is that darkness? If we think Jesus just joining us in what we're doing is the gospel of the kingdom, that's a dark, dark place to live. It's a false place to live. So the brass tacks, do I live in such a way that he's everything? And honestly, we can tell that by certain metrics. You can tell that. I can tell where I spend my time. If I never have a quiet time, if I never give of my, if I don't serve, if I don't care about the lost, if I don't have time to pray, I've got to look inside the, I've got to look in the mirror and look inside myself and say, God, am I all in? And I'm not saying to shame anyone, but I'm just telling you it's the most urgent news I could ever tell you is that Jesus saves. And he doesn't just save to make our lives a little better. He saves because we are dying without him. The wealthiest executive in Indian Hill is, if he doesn't know Jesus, he's dying while he's living. The Hollywood people, they might have it all and the worship adores them and worships them, but if they don't know Jesus, they're dying while they're living. Do I believe that Jesus is all there is? And so do I, do I live in such a way towards my church? Because I'll tell you that, um, you know, I'm just gonna, like, so in April 25th to December 31st, 2020, we were averaging about 200 to 220 adults. Our average giving is 8,100 each week. We wanna be a growing church. So this year, we're about 230 to 250, a little bit more than that a lot of Sundays. And so our average giving is 8550. So we've grown by 11% in population a week by amount of people coming, but our giving's only grown by 5.3%. And really, honestly, just looking at the numbers, I don't know what anyone gives, I don't wanna know what anyone gives, but I'll ask Amy from time to time, and I just said, give me the brass tacks. If our top five to seven families left, not top, not like they're the best, but the ones who give the most left, where would we be? And there's about, there's about seven to nine families that if they died, quit the faith, or moved, we probably wouldn't be open more than a couple months, just being honest. Now, we would continue to be Christians, but I'm just saying the functions that you appreciate as church would cease. So we have a lot of people that are giving lavishly and blessedly, and we do have people that tithe, but there's a lot of you who honestly just don't give very much. And, and I'm not saying that to embarrass anyone, but if, you, if you're all in, Jesus said where your treasure is, your heart is. And you couldn't tell me, and I don't wanna know what you give, I don't but you couldn't look me in the eye or look God in the eye and say, I'm all into something that I don't, all I do is show up. I don't serve, I don't give, I don't spend what I have to see that place go on. And that's what I'm talking about. If there's a compelling vision, I encourage you to jump in because the, the, the life God calls us to is one of him. It's not one of, you know, that I write a check or I go to a service, or I attend a house group, or I don't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. That's not what it is. It's, 
these things that um, I respond to Jesus as the Holy Spirit speaks to me and I lean more and more and more in to what he's calling me towards. That I'm open to changing my spending. I'm open to changing my politics. I'm open to changing my morals. I'm open to changing how I view family. I'm open to changing how I spend my time. That's what Jesus everything is. And, you know, just very, very practically, there's things we want to do as a church that, you know, it's hard to do. And, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll be blessed. Whatever God gives, we're going to be faithful with it. Whatever God gives, we're going to be faithful with it. But we also, it, man, it would be really nice to just, um, it'd just be really nice to not, um, not focus on things that aren't that important. It'd be nice to not worry sometimes. Like, okay, God, are we gonna do this and that? But like, you know, God will do that and we wanna have a life of faith. But I wanna ask you, are you all in here? And this isn't like the pastoral shame of the tithe. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but Jesus measures it. I know where my heart is. If I'm spending more time, more money, more effort, more thought on things that aren't of him, my heart's veering away from him. But the more time talent, treasure that I spend on his kingdom, it's proof positive that my heart's moving towards him. There's a little picture here just showing, um, you wanna show this, just where it talks about um, where we are as a church. I mean, really churches in our area, we did a demographic study that like where a church, this is a national survey, like a church in our area with what people make in our area the high that is about 3,400 per person. The middles, 2,200 person. We're operating on a budget, and I'm just telling you this honestly, we operate on a budget of about 1,900 per person, which tells us we're on the lower end of that. We're between low, middle, and low for what our demographic is. And so there's a lot of things we wanna do disciple-making-wise, missionally, church-planting-wise, that we just, that, you know, we're gonna wait and have to hold on some things to do just because, some of the money's not there. And I'm not saying any of this, like I said, to shame anyone, because there's a lot of you that are so faithful, and we're so thankful. But as Barry Long said um, a couple weeks ago when he preached, he said, without radical trust, making Jesus everything is beyond our reach. Where is God calling you closer? Maybe you're giving a ton, but you're like, I don't have time for some of this disciple-making stuff. Maybe you're making disciples, but you're like, I don't, I, I don't really have time in my day. I don't feel like I'm being a disciple. I feel like all my time is spent doing spiritual activities, but I'm not closely, intimately acquainted with the person of Jesus Christ. Where, where's God calling you? Because it's not just, oh, give us 10% and that's great, or give us, you know, come to an outreach and that's great, or just, hey, have a quiet time, that's great. Like, Jesus everything is orienting everything around the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what we're talking about. And so I hate talking about this stuff. I really do. I hate because like the perception is, oh, preacher's just gonna beg. Some of you might are already thinking that. That's fine. We're talking way more about vision than we are about dollars and cents, but the dollars and cents are kind of where we are with living into our vision. And so, you know, what's, what's our vision for the future? Our vision for the future is to continue on the track, God's. We, we want to be a missional powerhouse. 
There are so many broken people in our community that don't know Jesus. There's so many people that don't know what God did for them. There's so many people that think that a pill or a counselor or a TV show or entertainment or like a promotion that it's better than what we have to offer. But if we're Christians that get gathered and scattered, that get the many mediums God's given us to be able to reach people, and if we're people that know how to balance natural and supernatural, and we live in such a way that says Jesus everything, there'll be less and less people who believe the lies they believe. There'll be less and less people who believe the stuff the world's force feeding them if we show up and we look like Jesus. Because people can smell a phony, right? People can smell it. And how we give of our lives, how we give our time, talent, treasure, how we orient our hearts, our worldview, tells people what kind of gospel we believe. And if the gospel according to me is stinky or weak or lacking grace, lacking kindness, lacking forgiveness, lacking generosity, lacking a racially balanced uh, perspective, if we're like, a, like misogynistic, or maybe uh, women, if you're men haters, does our gospel preach the equality that everyone in Jesus can have life, but everyone without Jesus is living in death? Does our gospel preach that? And the reason we're talking about money the last couple of weeks is because Jesus says that how we spend what we have is proof positive of what we think about him and about his kingdom. So wrapping up on that, are you personally living in a way that I want, I don't want, I don't just want my church to survive or I don't just want Christianity to survive, but am I living in such a way that I want it to thrive? Am I living a way that says, Jesus, I'm all in? Am I a person that says, Jesus, you're worth it all? And listen, I do not, I suck at this. I'm so bad at being obedient. I'm so bad at being humble. I'm so bad at keeping my mouth shut. I'm so bad at sometimes being forgiving on even like the most uh, menial levels. But I want everything Jesus has, so I choose to be bad at it, to get good at it later on. And as David says, I won't give up something that costs me nothing, so I wanna give Jesus everything I got. We wanna be a living for the line, not the, not the dot sort of place. So I wanna ask you today, as we're wrapping up, um, what's been the kairos? What's God saying to you the last couple weeks? What's something he's put on your heart? Maybe it's ticked you off, that stirred you up. We believe kairos is kind of a word in the Bible we can unpack if you don't know, but it's kind of like where God speaks to us, that aha moment, like a eureka in the kingdom. It can be little or it can be big. What's something God's speaking to you over the last nine weeks about Jesus everything? Maybe it's, I don't know what it's about. But what's, what's God saying to you and inviting you towards? Because I want to tell you, um, we've, we've tried to compel a, a pretty, what I think is a, is a powerful vision for the future. And it's not our vision, it's Jesus' vision. 
And he's the one who can see the end of the line to the beginning of the line. He sees the whole thing. So when he gives us vision, we can just live into it. And we're not gonna do it perfectly, but we wanna do it faithfully. So where is Jesus inviting you? Where is he speaking to you? Maybe just take a minute. We're just gonna be silent for a minute and just maybe if you're here today for the first time or you've been here all nine weeks or you've been here, here and there, what's Jesus, where's he calling you closer? Where do you know he's not everything? And just look at that little metric. Look at how we spend our time, how we spend our talent, how we spend our treasure. God, am I waking? God, am I sleeping? God, am I resting? God, am I working? God, am I you know, dreaming? Be my everything. So we're just gonna be quiet for a minute. Just ask Jesus to, where he's calling you closer. If you're on the prayer team too, why don't you come on up? People can pair up together. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you're like, this is the weirdest Sunday ever, but I'm feeling him doing something. If you don't know Jesus, come up. We want to pray for you. Jesus loves everybody. Whether it's your first time in a church in your life or years or you've been here every week and you're just like, I realize I'm not a Jesus everything person. Well, Jesus would invite you to come closer. He would invite you to come back. Maybe you're, you've been far from him or maybe you don't know him at all. We don't encourage you to come up today. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you and let this be the first day of the rest of your forever. Where God's speaking to you and you're like, I, I wanna live into this thing but I don't have the courage to or I don't know how to do it or I keep trying and I'm, keep tripping or I keep butting my head up against a wall, come get prayer today because we believe that there's something supernatural that can happen when we pray for one another. So we just ask you to come Holy Spirit, just fall on this week, fall on this place, fall on our lives, fall on the vision you've given us to make disciples that make disciples. Call on us, Lord, call in us that thing that you put in us, the how do we do gathered and scattered? How do we do natural and supernatural? How do we take your message and broadcast it to the ends of the earth? How do we do that digitally, physically? How do we do that individually, corporately? How do we do that, Jesus? Would you do something with what we give to you today? Help us not to worry about our lives anymore. Help us to be concerned with, your, with, with you coming back. That passage tells us really to be concerned with your coming back, to not worry about the dot, but to worry about the line. Or not really to worry, but to concern ourselves and to live into. So we just bless your name and we love you. And through, we pray, Father, amen. amen. Well, hey, you are deeply loved by God and by us. And I pray you have an amazing week and that you sin less this coming week than you did last week. See you guys next week. <laughs>